You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Would you take your Bibles, please, this morning and turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes. That's right after Psalms and Proverbs. And while we're doing that, we're going to dismiss the uh, drive-in, the junior church that they're in here with us now. That would be the first, second, and third graders. And we'll let you be dismissed with uh, Matt and Laura. You'll be in the fellowship hall, first, second, and third graders. We'll let you go for your junior church. And uh, I hope after the service, I hope you'll congratulate uh, Lily on getting baptized. And we're so proud of you. And Shakira, we're so proud of you. We got to chat. And um, Shakira, her... Uh, kids have come to church on the bus, and we are just talking uh, back here with Brother Charles and Miss Meredith, and uh, I'm so happy for you. I'm happy for the decision you made to trust Christ, to get it settled, get baptized, and I hope you always, when folks get saved and baptized, you know, we've just, we come to church all the time, and we're excited about it, but I hope people never come, and I hope people never feel like they're embarrassed, because we're all, we're excited for you, and I tell you, uh, we couldn't be happier than to know that somebody got saved and followed the Lord in baptism. So we're proud of you. And I forgot to mention earlier, but these uh, flowers in the front, beautiful flowers, these were given in memory of Miss Aveline Cullum. And uh, I hope you continue to keep that family in prayer. And there's a lot of folks I'm looking around. I'd love just to chat for a while. It's good to have Brother Nathan and Miss Grace back. They were in Illinois for a few days. Are you taking the teens, Brother Nathan? We'll dismiss the bus teens to go to your service now. And uh, I appreciate our bus uh, riders for coming to church, and uh, God bless you folks, and thanks to all of our workers and drivers. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, and the Bible says in verse number 11, wisdom is good with an inheritance, and by it there is profit to them that see the sun, for wisdom is a defense, and money is a defense, but the excellency of knowledge is that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. Look at verse 13, please. It says, Consider the work of God, for who can make that straight which he hath made crooked? Verse 14 will be our text verse for this morning. It says in verse 14, In the day of prosperity be... What's the next word? Joyful. In the day of prosperity be... What's that word? joyful, but in the day of adversity, what's that word? Consider. We see here two different days, and I understand we could say, well, there's maybe some different categories, but I think most of our life, I think we could categorize our days as either days of prosperity, days of goodness, or days of adversity, days of trouble. Let's read on verse 14. God also hath set the one over against the other to the end that man should find nothing after him. Lord, I pray you'd speak to our hearts as we look at your word today. I thank you for the great singing. I thank you for the baptisms. I thank you for the time of encouragement it's been just to be with God's people this morning. I thank you for a place where we can come to church, where we can be recharged, where we can be refueled where we can be challenged to live for you and we can be encouraged to see that we're not the only ones that are trying to do what's right. There's a whole crowd of people here today that love you and want to serve you and want to please you. 
And I pray that you would please, Holy Spirit of God, would you speak to our hearts today? We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Ecclesiastes is a very uh, thought-provoking book. It was written by Solomon, who was the richest man that ever lived and the wisest man that ever lived. He wrote the book of Ecclesiastes really to show us that there is not purpose and there is not value found in things. Stuff will never make you happy. Let me say that again because some of you don't believe it. Some of you think, oh, if I only had this, I'd be happy. No, you wouldn't. If you're not happy with the house you have now, you wouldn't be happy with a bigger house. If you're not happy with the car you have now, you wouldn't be happy with a better car. If you're not happy with the job you have now, you wouldn't be happy with a better job. I'm not saying you can't try to get a better job. I'm not saying you can't try to do those things. But those things do not bring happiness. Happiness in life is not from the things that you have. Happiness is found not in things, but it's found in a person. It's found in Jesus Christ. And Solomon says at the end of this book, he says, let me tell you what I learned. And Solomon had it all, humanly speaking. He had all the money. He had all the fame. He had all of the power. He had all of the prestige. He had everything. He had all the education. But he said this at the end of the day. He said, here's the conclusion of the matter. He said, fear God and keep his commandments. If you want to find purpose and meaning in life, then you find the will of God and you do what God wants you to do and you will be happy. But if you try to find it in stuff, he said, you will discover that it is all vanity. It is all vain. It is all pointless without God. So I want to draw your attention to chapter seven. And I want you to see what Solomon has to say about the days of prosperity and the days of adversity. I think sometimes it's hard to categorize these days. Maybe sometimes we'll look back on a time in our life that was very hard or so we thought at the time. But we'll look back and we'll say, you know, those were some good days. Um, my wife and I, we, we went to Bible college. We were in Bible college together. And I told Brother Moore and your wife, uh, Taylor, we, and thank you both for traveling. I, I wanted to also clarify here that Taylor's not just one of the college girls. That's Brother David's wife here, okay? And they're traveling with this group. But my wife and I, we traveled with groups. We traveled across the country. And, and I'll tell you, there's some, there's some fun times as you're traveling, but there's some long days. And there's some late nights and there's some early mornings. And there's some times where you get in that van and you're thinking, oh, we only have 500 miles to drive today. And then tomorrow we're going to do another 450. And then and it's just, it's a lot of work. But you know, we look back on those days. And sure, there were some tough days, some difficult days, some long days. Those were some good days. And sometimes we will look at something and we'll say, oh, this is so hard. But you know, sometimes when you look back, uh, over your past and you look over the things that God has done and you see how God has led you and as the ladies saying even in the valley God is good can I tell you sometimes the things you're going through right now that seem so difficult just hang on God will bring you through it God will take care of you God will bless you God doesn't just show up in the good times but God shows up in the bad times but in the day of prosperity Solomon says this he says be joyful can I tell you, if you're here today and you have a roof over your head, you're blessed. Much of the world would love to trade places with you and me today. 
The things that you complain about, somebody in the world, they'd love to have what you have for one day, let alone for a lifetime. God has been good to us. God has blessed us in this country. Some of us today, and I hope this is not true, but it's possible that some of us today, we are living the dream right now, but we're miserable. Why are some people miserable? Why can't people be joyful in the day of prosperity? I think there's a couple reasons. Number one, I've already said, I think sometimes it's because we get our eyes on the things rather than keeping our eyes on Jesus. Brother George and Brother Andy, we talked about this Thursday, but in your mom's Bible, or in your Bible, you put the word mom by Matthew 6, and we must keep that in front of us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto us. Sometimes we get it backwards. We say, I'm going to get all this stuff, and I'm going to get all these things, and I'm going to have this, this, and that, and then after that, if I have time, then I'm going to seek God. No way, that's not the way it works. You seek God first and you let God bless. Don't go after the stuff and then seek God. Sometimes we keep our eyes on the stuff rather than keeping our eyes on the God who gave us the stuff. Sometimes we're miserable because we're so determined that we need more. Can I tell you, the enemy of contentment is comparison. And we live in a day where you see everything at the click of a button. You don't even have to go to a store anymore to go shopping. You can do it from your home. You can do it from your computer. You can do it for your phone. And you see, I need that computer. I need that car. I need that gadget. I need those clothes. I need that toy. I need this. And friend, I want to tell you, the enemy of contentment is comparison. And there's always going to be somebody who's got more than you. But can I tell you, if you're always looking to get more and you are not content, you will be miserable. You're not going to be able to be joyful in the day of prosperity. I think some, one reason that what people are not joyful even in the day of prosperity is because we are too busy. Now hear me out. And please do not get ahead of me on this because some of you are going to think I'm going a different direction. My sister and her husband are here from California. And we got to spend some time with them. They're staying out on Lake Gaston. And they invited us over there on Friday and the family. And we got to take a boat ride and have a, just a good time. They, we, had some, we had some birthday cake. Hallelujah for that. Um, Alice Jefferson made a carrot cake. And let me tell you, it was out of this world. How many of you know that the best cake in the world is carrot cake? How many of you know that? Well, I thought we had more Christians here than that. There's, if, how many of you have never tried carrot cake? Oh, see, some of you, you're missing out. You got to try it. Here's the beauty of carrot cake. It's delicious and it's 100% healthy because everybody knows that carrots are healthy, right? But we had a wonderful time at the lake and my sister Jill was commenting. There was a, a welcome book that she and, uh, and, and Don came across and it was a welcome book that just said, here are some things to do while you're at Lake Gaston. Now, keep in mind, uh, my sister and brother-in-law, they're coming from California. You know, California, that's the, that's the place where there's all the amusement parks and there's all the professional sports. There's all this stuff and all that. And so they were, Jill was telling me about it. And she said, she said, in the book, here's what it said. Top 10 things to do while you're at Lake Gaston. And I quote, number one, watch the sunset. Now, can I tell you though, that's a good thing to do. 
That's a wonderful thing to do. That's, it, it's, it's amazing. But you know, most of us are too busy. We haven't done that forever, right? In the book, in the guest book, it said this. It said, watch the sunset. Relax with family and friends. No washing dishes. I was waiting for some amens there. No cleaning. No yelling at the kids. Whoa, that's convicting. It just says, just enjoy the sunset. But you know what that requires? It requires you to slow down. And we live in a fast-paced world, don't we? We're going 100 miles an hour. But this book, some, some, good, some good ideas here. Watch the sunset. Another thing it said in the top 10 things to do is feed the fish. Now, that's amazing because you know why you're feeding the fish? You're feeding the fish so they'll get bigger. Then you can catch them and you can eat them, right? But you got to feed them first. Feed the fish. And it said this, go buy some minnows. That's how you catch the fish, right? You go buy the minnows and, and uh, put them on the hooks. Then it says this. I'll, uh, some of, all God's people should say amen on this. It says, what to do at Lake Gaston? Have a snack. That's a great idea, is it not? What to do at Lake Gaston? Eat ice cream. I got news for you. You do not have to be at Lake Gaston to eat ice cream. You can eat ice cream anytime. Morning, well, maybe not morning, but noon and night, you can eat ice cream. How about this? It says, what to do at Lake Gaston? Jump in the lake. Now, not the way you're thinking. You're thinking, yeah, I've told some people to do that before. Just, just go jump in the lake. Have a good time. Take a boat ride. And those things may sound so simple, but can I tell you one reason why some people are not joyful in the day of prosperity is because they don't even stop just to look around and count their blessings. When was the last time you just stopped and said, I don't need this, I don't need that, I don't have to have this. I've got everything I want and everything I need right here in what God has given me. In the day of prosperity, you better be joyful. In the day of prosperity, you better thank God. In the day of prosperity, don't get your eyes on the next thing, but thank God for the things that you have now. Sometimes children, by the way, it's not just children that do this, but sometimes children, they're in elementary school and they don't want to be in elementary. They want to be in middle school, right? And then you're in middle school. I don't want to be in middle school. I want to be in high school. And I don't want to be in high school anymore now. I want to be in college. And I don't want to be in college now. I want to graduate. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with progressing. I spent three of the best years of my life in fourth grade. And let me tell you, I got to really learn to enjoy fourth grade. But it is good to graduate. It is good to promote. But enjoy the place where God has put you today. Enjoy the journey today. Paul said, I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. In the day of prosperity, Solomon said, be joyful. But secondly, in the day of adversity. Here's what Solomon says, the wisest man that ever lived who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. He said, in the day of adversity, consider. Now, sometimes in the day of adversity, we quit. Sometimes when the going gets tough, we throw in the towel. Sometimes when things are difficult, rather than considering what God is trying to do, many times we complain about the situation we're in. Many times we criticize. Many times we, we get into a hard time and we start blaming everybody. 
and say, I'm in this mess because of so-and-so. It was my husband's fault, or it was my wife's fault, or it was my boss's fault, or it was somebody. Hey, can I tell you, in the day of adversity, don't play the blame game. Don't play the criticism game. In the day of adversity, God's word says that we should consider. The word consider means to inspect something very carefully. It means to observe. It means to perceive and, and figure out what is going on. Really, it's the idea, just think about it. Just dwell on it and ponder what's going on. Many people become bitter because of adversity. Many people get mad at the world and many people make foolish decisions in times of adversity. But can I tell you today, instead of running from God, when you get into days of adversity, how about running to God? How about getting closer to God? Have you ever thought that maybe God lets you go through that trial so that you could get some things right and you could get right with God? In the day of adversity, consider. Quickly, let me show you a few thoughts. Number one, I believe we should consider God's greatness. It says in verse 13, consider the work of God. Did you know that there is no limit to what God can do? When it says consider the work of God, you're going to be there a while. I'm going to be there a while because God can do anything. Just look at the universe that he created in six days. Just think about the beauty of the mountains and the beauty of, of creation and think about the sun and the moon and the stars and the planets and the galaxies. Think about all that God has done. And the next time you're going through adversity, I want to remind you, think about God's greatness. If God can do all of that, God can take care of you. And God can take care of me. Number two, think about and consider God's goodness. Notice Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 13 Consider the work of God, for who can make that straight which he hath made crooked? This passage literally has the idea that maybe something that is in order, something that is straight, is turned upside down, or something that is in order is taken out of order. And God can certainly do that. But think about this. Our lives before Jesus found us our lives were not in order. Our lives were out of order. But you know what Jesus did? He came and took a mess. Jesus came and took our lives that were out of order and our lives that were turned upside down. And Jesus set us on a solid rock. He established our goings. Jesus put our lives back in order. That's the goodness of God. And friend, I want to tell you, consider God's goodness. God has been better to us than we deserve. And all God's people said, amen. Praise God for his goodness. Number three, consider God's grace. There are days of prosperity and we should praise God for that. I understand that's a relative term, but we in the United States of America, we have been so blessed. You think about all the things that we just take for granted, but friend, God has been good. That is God's grace. Grace is the things that God gives us that we don't deserve. We don't deserve prosperity. We deserve a place in hell. We don't deserve health and strength. We don't deserve the freedoms that we have. We don't deserve all the blessings of God, but God has given us His grace. But then notice verse 14, God's grace not only in the day of prosperity, but God's grace in the day of adversity. 
Did you know it's in the hard times that you realize that God doesn't leave you and he doesn't forsake you? God does not abandon you. God does not forget about you. As a matter of fact, it's in the hard times that you realize that God's grace is sufficient. It's in the days of adversity that you realize that God's strength is made perfect in our very weakness. In the day of adversity, consider God's grace. And then I'd like for you to notice lastly in this passage, consider God's guidance. Verse number 14, I have, I've read this verse many times and I usually stop after the first half. It says, in the day of adversity, be joyful, but in the day of adversity, consider. And I usually kind of stop there and kind of, you know, kind of zone out a little bit. But notice what verse 14 says after that. It says, God also hath set the one over against the other to the end that man should find nothing after him. Now, I know, I know you're thinking, well, pastor, that's easy. We've got that all figured out. But I had to think about that a little bit. I had to, you know what I'm saying? You ever read something in the Bible and you're like, what does that mean? I mean, you're like, how does that apply to my life? And how does this apply to this passage? And so I began to think about that. I began to read some commentaries. And I just began to say, what is this verse saying? I understand the first part, at least I feel like I do. But what does it mean that, verse 14, that God hath set the one over against the other? Well, what are we talking about? We're talking about different days, right? The days of adversity and the days of prosperity. Here's what it's saying. If you have a day of prosperity, guess who planned that? God did. If you have a day of adversity, guess who planned that? God did. And guess who set all of your days in perfect order and perfect sequence? God did. So you know what that tells us is that the things that happen in our lives don't happen by accident. God's got a plan and God is guiding us and God is directing us and God is one who makes no mistakes. David said, as for God, his way is perfect. And as Solomon writes the book of Ecclesiastes, he says, indeed, God has set one day and the other and God has orchestrated them exactly the way they need to be. Then he says this, to the end or to the purpose or to the result, that man should find nothing after him. We have at our house, uh, Joanna and, and I will we'll give the children, we'll give them some responsibilities. And Joanna's there obviously a lot more than I am. So she'll say to the girls, say, I want you to clean the garage. And you say, well, why do the girls clean the garage? Because it's not a garage. It's a playroom. Any, any other men, you, have you had that happen where your garage got taken over? Anybody else? Brother Dan? Yeah, you took it over, brother. It's not a playroom. That's where that weight bench is you were telling us about in Sunday school. If you didn't know, Brother Dan, he has been working out. I mean, he has been pumping iron. You need to ask him about that later. But anybody else, have you had your garage taken over? Anybody else, Brother Dale? I will tell you, though, to be fair, at first, I was not excited about it, but I love it now. It's a perfect spot for the kids, and they've got a playroom in there. It's great. But um, anybody know where I was going with that? But we'll, we'll say, all right, it's time to clean the garage, right? And then here's what happens. After they clean the garage, they'll come back in and say, can you check it? Can you see if we got it good, if it's, if it's okay? 
And so Joanna and I will go in there and usually all you have to do is step out the garage and like immediately it's like, well, how about if we pick up this area, you know, whatever. But here's what, here's what Solomon is saying. God's the one who sets our days and God's the one who governs our lives. And there ain't nobody that has to go behind him to point out mistakes that he's made. Because he ain't never made one. Because he's perfect. Can I tell you, if you've got a perfect, omniscient God who is ordering your days and setting your days, and he knows exactly what's going to happen tomorrow, he knows what's going to happen next week, he knows what's going to happen next month, he knows the beginning from the end. If he knows all that, can I tell you, you can trust him, and we should consider God's guidance and God's directing in our lives. I'll close with this, and not only will I close the message, I will close my Bible to give you hope that I'm almost done. But the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse number 3, the Bible says there is someone that you need to consider. You see, if you're here today and you've never been saved, you need to consider Christ. And you need to consider the price that Jesus paid on Calvary so that you wouldn't have to go to hell. You wouldn't have to die for your sins and you wouldn't have to spend eternity separated from God, but you could have everlasting life in heaven. And friend, I want to tell you, if you're here today and maybe you're going through some adversity, maybe God allowed that adversity for the very reason that you would get your eyes on Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you. And I trust you and I, 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 I'm le leaning on you and I'm giving everything I have to you. And Jesus, I accept you today as my Savior. I love what Brother George said as we met on Wednesday with the family. But he said, Pastor, he said at my mom's funeral, he said, please tell the folks that Jesus is the only way that they can get to heaven. And there's no other way except through Jesus. And friend, if you're here today and you've never been saved, maybe you're watching this service, maybe you're listening by way of radio, and you've never been saved, can I tell you, you need to consider Christ. You need to trust Him today. And if you're here today and you have been saved, but maybe you've gotten away from Jesus. Maybe He's not as close as He used to be. He's not the one that's moved. He's not the one that's left you. Today is the day for you to consider Christ and to return to Him. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.